Welcome to the Post Rugby Podcast with me, Anthony Andrews. My guest today is Manuel Carizza. Manuel is a former Argentina international earning 46 caps during a 13-year professional career, predominantly playing in France with Baritz, Racing Metro, Racing 92 and Lyon, as well as the Western Province and the Stormers in South Africa. Since retiring, retiring Manuel has become a full-time barista, opening up his own coffee shop in Baritz, as well as co-owning a wine business with three other former Pumas and friends. So with that, Manuel, welcome to the Post Rugby Podcast. Hey, mate. Thank you very much for having me. No, thank you. Thank you. And um, yeah, another thank you to, to our friend, our mutual friend, Keir, for uh, introducing us as well. 100%. Great man. Thank you for that. <laughs> so you met Kieran um, when he was working with the Argentina team, is that right? Yeah, yeah, he joined us, uh, I think it was 2012, uh, after another coach uh, left and he came and yeah, he pulled some cure. He learned Spanish in, I don't know, two or three months. Uh, yeah, and like since then we, we really in touch and I, I rate him a lot. He's one of the best around and uh, yeah, wish him always the best and he's a hard worker. So, yeah. yeah. Nice, a good man. Good man. Um, so, let's start by talking about your career. You've had, by the sound of things, quite an amazing career with rugby. And so, do you want to just start by talking us through some of your highlights, whether that's club or international highlights? Well, um, I think, yeah, as you said, it was a, a long, long career, nice career. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, Great, great happened. Great stuff happened. Not so great, like injuries and disappointments through through all those years. Um, I must say there are a few uh, markers in my career. The, 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 when I decided to come to France for the first time and became become pro, that was in 2005. I was 20 years old. Not even I think I signed with 19. Uh, always looking forward to that. 2007 World Cup, uh, I thought and I understood that I had to go professional to make that step to be able to be in the group. Unfortunately, it didn't happen, but well, I, I learned a lot of the process. Um, and then, well, uh, being French champion with, with racing was uh, one of the nicest moments in Camp Nou in Barcelona. Uh, with 14 men uh, after I think 18, 18, 20 minutes. So we fought back against uh, an amazing side of Toulon. Uh, but I think we had a, we had a great side, uh, a lot of confidence. So we took that one. That was amazing, uh, for, for all that represented. And also, of course, the first, first test with Argentina and all those memories singing the anthem, you know, how, emotional we get in Argentina for singing the anthem uh, and also having the chance to play uh, Southern Hemisphere rugby in the Super Rugby with the Stormers uh, and winning a Curry Cup with Western Province I think those are big moments that I will cherish forever mm. oh, that sounds amazing and, and just for the listeners that maybe don't know what, what position did you used to play? I used to play lock uh, mainly when I started, I ran a little bit faster than when I uh, stopped. So I 
some coaches uh, made me play number eight or flanker. That, that was at the beginning of my career. Yeah. Uh, but I mainly luck, yeah, four or five. Yeah. Did you slow down after meeting Keir, was it? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm only joking. <laughs> no, no, he, he helped me a lot. Yeah, he helped me a lot. But um, yeah, it was like a natural, like, okay, he's going, slowing down. Nice, nice. And what was it like as a, as a lock then? Like locks don't tend to get all the all the headlines and all the praise a lot of times, do they? Especially some of the teams you played in. I saw, you know, obviously some big big names, famous players that you've played with. Mm. Yeah, tell us a little bit about what it's like playing. You know, maybe as a player underneath the radar a little bit more. Maybe not yeah. getting the the headlines and the and the accolades as much. Yeah, exactly. No, I think now locks are getting uh, more attention because it's the, the, the position shift a little bit, like Mario Toja, uh, those the guys are like the new flankers, if you mean. Uh, they they play more with the ball, they're intelligent players, they know how to defend. They I think they could even kick balls, uh tackle, uh yeah, there there's more 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 roles in, in a player than what it used to be. It used to be like 90s and beginning of 2000s. It was like just clean rocks, uh, hurt someone if you can, tackle the ball, win a lineup, that's it, and push your prop in the front. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I think the, the position shifted uh, for good eh? because it mm. uh, appreciates more the a good player, and that's good. Yeah, yeah, no, great. And, um, um, and who who stuck sticks out to you in terms of guys that you've played with? Um, anyone in particular that you were particularly impressed by? Yeah, a few, a few. Uh, in my early days, I always I had the chance to play with uh, Jérôme Thion. I mean, I mean the professional side. I, I on the amateur side, I had the chance also to play with my brother, and he helped me a lot because he's more. Uh, discipline. Uh, he used to train harder than me, so I try to always try to copy what he did. Uh, a little bit, the same happened with Jean. Uh, he he was like a, he his nickname is the machine. So I tried to, you know, his proper proper lock old school like uh, very hard. So yeah, he disciplined a little bit, uh, made me my game more disciplined. Uh, and we talked a lot about efforts on the field, uh, and yeah, he helped me a lot. And then I, when I had the chance to play with Pato Albacete as well, uh, healthy player, um, I think one of the first of the new locks that know how to do everything and very smart, good with hands, but still very hard. Um, and then I had the chance also to play with even Etzebeth, like full full power. Uh, yeah, I think with those three players, you can see the evolution of the position. Yeah, yeah, wow, amazing. Um, <laughs> and and so, what what were some of the differences between playing in South Africa and in the Northern Hemisphere? Then I think you mentioned you, you'd like to kind of touch on that in the in the pre-interview form. Yeah, well, a few, a few, especially the the approach of how a team or the management see their players and how the players live the rugby life and the enjoyment that is uh, promoted in a Southern Hemisphere team 
if you're going to spend whole time together, train together, make huge efforts together, uh, put your body on the line. Let's enjoy it. Let's have a nice moment. Was in, in France and also in Argentina because we inherit all the rugby from England and and France. Uh, it's like that's no one smiles. Just head down, go forward, and it 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 it, uh, it tires you a little bit. Like having all that that philosophy all the time. Like with with attitude, you you can do whatever you want. It's it's I, I don't agree. It's good to have attitude, but one from one game out of ten, you won't feel hundred percent. So you'll need to have another other tools. And that's I think the the southern hemisphere got that better than the northern hemisphere. At least mm. the chances I had to play in the team that I had to play. Mm. And that's a great memory of when I got into South Africa and one one day I got into the facilities and I saw Matt Proudfoot, the, the coach. He's coaching England now. And he said, uh, hey, why are you not smiling? He said, oh, I'm tired. No, if you come here, you smile. I say, okay, yeah, that's a good click in my head. You know, like, yeah, you're tired, but you're doing whatever you, you're doing, what you want. You know, you're enjoying your time. You're getting paid for it. So it's a good shift that uh, I think in France, especially in France, I don't know England because I never played in England, but uh, I think in, in, in France, it's all about that. Yeah. Uh, Let's go hard and just don't enjoy because until we win. And but there's so many different ways to mm. to do it. And was that was there was there quite a lot of pressure with that then with that mentality of just you know all work and no play by the sound of things in France? Was it was it quite quite tough? Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, I thought it won't, wouldn't be like that when I first come, but I remember. <laughs> I, I'm. I don't take myself just very seriously, so I, I like to enjoy myself. I like to have fun while I do stuff. Uh, so I remember one of my first warm-ups. Of course, us forwards in Biarritz, we warm up inside, so we didn't go to the field and warm inside. It was like 50 degrees in the changing room, and we warm inside all together, like. Blah, blah, blah. And just pre- before that, I was uh, making. Football, uh, football kicks passes with Dimitri Ashvili <laughs> and having fun because I was warming up like pre-warm up was like building my temperature inside and uh, and the forwards coach just came in saw me I was like oh no man <laughs> no. <laughs> you're luck you shouldn't you shouldn't be doing that with us <laughs> and then I yeah had to stop but uh, it was see although I, I, I'm that worked for me, like making passes, just enjoying and moving your body to pick up the temperature. Uh, and I was easy, no, no, no stress, just building up. And for him, I should be putting head bumps to the wall, no? Mm. Uh, yeah, and I had to learn to cope with it. And of course, became a little bit like that because you need to be part of a team. You need to do what the team does. But uh, I think that approach was one of the things that made me go away from France for a little bit. I was a bit tired of their mentality. Yeah. Uh, so that's why I choose to go to, to Stormers. Nice. Nice. So you went to South Africa, had a bit of fun for a couple of years and then what finished, finished your career in France, was it? 
Yeah, yeah. I ended up finishing in. Well, actually, I, I came back to racing. Uh, the, the club I was before going to South Africa, I was a medical joker for a few months, and then that was 2013. And then I, yeah, after South Africa, uh, I, I I knew I wanted to do the experience, uh, but two two super rugby's actually one one and a half because I broke my wrist and the first one I couldn't play much. Then the Curry Cup. Another super rugby. So I say, okay, it's time to go back. I wanted to, we wanted with my wife to have kids and make a family. And I think living in France uh, is easier for that and safer, easier. Uh, the European way of living, it's, I think it's more according to us. So we want, wanted to come back, uh, play a few years in, in racing. And then Leon just came for medical joker. I was meant to finish the, the 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 season with them, but I yeah my body said okay it's it's time now. Right, okay. right. Go so, on. And, and how um how did you fare with injuries throughout your career? Did you have any major ones, or did you manage to stay relatively fit for those years? No, a, f- a few majors. Uh, oh, a lot of niggles when I was young. I think because. Uh, my body wasn't that that ready to for professional rugby, so every every time a few niggles the first years of my career. Then I got proper fit, uh, and then I yeah I had I I started to feel very well around 2008 2009, but I wasn't playing much in Biarritz. I I was still the the young kid who couldn't like break through, uh, so I, I didn't have that continuity to for my body to adapt. And then I, yeah, I have a big one in, in Italy with the Argentinian team. I broke my humerus and that was nice surgery with a, a huge recovery after I think it was six, seven months. And then the, just before the World Cup 2011, I, I could make it to World Cup. I was feeling great. And then I have a few nice years, not injuries, no injuries at all. And I think I, I I also understood my body better and I could stay away from injuries. Um, I think in the beginning of my career, I was still a bit young. My body was young and I, I didn't train that hard to to have a... I'm one... I was one, yeah, 120 kilos, two meters three. So I, I'm a big, big boy, but I, I was like having a trouble building a muscle and stuff. So... Yeah, I when, when once I could that could do that, I I was feeling much better. Yeah, mm, yeah nice. And um, so your body kind of told you that it was starting to come towards the end of the career. Like, did you did you have a plan in mind when you were, um, or was it quite an abrupt stop? And then it's just like, right, what do I do now? Like, how how was that transition period for you? Yeah, it was. No, I didn't have a plan. Uh, in, in the back of my head, I always wanted to have a coffee shop, but that wasn't very serious. It was like, okay, someday it really playing rugby is tough when you are an expat because you don't know where you're going to end up living. Mm-hmm. So making plans for something so uncertain as what's your city going to be, it's tough. At least for me, I couldn't, I couldn't manage that because I say, okay, I'm doing plans now, but what if I move country and then I have to, 
it was it was really difficult. I regret it a little bit. I wish I had more studies or preparation. It's it's easier to it's easy to say, but I didn't know what I liked either. Mm. So making doing commit to a career or something like that without knowing if that's what suits you best is tough. But it all ends up uh, quite good. We when I stop because of I was tired, I didn't have the energy for rugby. I didn't have the the will and the push to wake up every morning and just go and run behind the ball. Um, yeah, I decided to stop. It wasn't sudden. I I already had decided that before signing with Lyon, but I talked to Pierre Mignoni, the coach. I said, listen, we're going to manage you. We're going to be here for a few months. I would like to have you here. Uh, let's communicate. And with your experience, let's try to uh, help the young guys uh, do better. I like his approach. So I say, okay, let's do this. And I end up playing, I think, five months, uh, around 10, 10, 12 games. That was, that was great. Uh, but yeah, when you don't play, uh, it's good for your body, but for your head, I, I want to play. So mm. I got frustrated for not playing and I wasn't enjoying it much. Uh, so yeah, I didn't see my, myself going through a whole season. So I said, Pierre, thank you. That's me. And yeah, we got in touch with the president and he wanted me to sign the whole season. I said, no, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> I'm going to, I want to go to Argentina to spend time with my family and enjoy summer. I say, Manuel, um, <laughs> it's the first time that a player wants to sign less than what I'm proposing. So <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> no, thank you. It's fine. Yeah, that was it. Uh, five days later, I was in Argentina. I enjoyed summer. Right. Right. And, um, and, and so in France, do they not have anybody that works with the clubs and the players to talk to them about life after rugby and that transition? Because in, in England, they have the RPA where they have mm-hmm. representatives from the RPA, you know, work with the clubs, work with the players and help them plan for the yeah. future after the game is that something that they they have in France or is that no 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 I, yeah they, 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 yeah we have Proval here it's a I think like similar to RPA yeah um but when I when I was when I first came to Biarritz I signed as a pro not as a academy so I, I missed all those gaps if you want to right. do, because I, I didn't know the language. So it's, it will have right. been very tough to yeah. do a career without knowing the language. So I said, okay, mm-hmm. let me first, let me first uh, speak the language and then I'll see. And one thing led to another. And I, I never do any, any career or studies. Uh, I tried, but I, I don't know. It was tough for me tough, yeah. tough to cope with those two, two things. And I think Proval does a good job now with, uh, you know, France shifted to the uh, French mentality more than used to. So we had, we were talking this with a friend yesterday. They have in flanker position, flanker in fly half position, they have like six possible players that they could uh, pick for a national team. And they're pushing more all the academies and all the youngsters to, to have a proper follow-up. And, but I think we, we, we missed that because I was yeah. uh, at the beginning of uh, this kind of uh, mentality. I was already too old and not French. So yeah. 
And yeah, but I think they're doing good work now. I think they're, right. they're working better with it. Yeah. Right. So you had a bit it's of time so off then, and um, did you say you go back? You went back to Argentina for a bit to spend time with family, and then, and then decided, yeah, right, exactly. I'm going to go to France and and open up a coffee shop, or like talk us through <laughs> that that process. Yeah, it, it was. It was. Yeah, we stopped. I, we stopped in Lyon. We had. We kept our house in Paris, outside of Paris. Uh, and then I, we we decided to go for holidays in Argentina, you know, like Christmas. Uh, not white Christmas like here, like summer Christmas, which is much better. I know if you had the chance to try them, but so we went three three months to Argentina for holidays, and then we'll come back and see what 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 we wanted to do. We, we knew we wanted to stay in France. We didn't know, we didn't want to go back to Argentina uh, as long as the opportunities here are good enough. And one day, woke up, went for a walk with my, my wife and my, uh, my daughter. And I say, listen, I had a dream last night. Uh, I dream of having a coffee shop in Biarritz. When I, when I play in Biarritz, I, was, I wasn't with her. So she didn't know what Biarritz, Biarritz is. So she didn't have that attachment that I have. She does it now, but that attachment to the city, to the sea, to the Basque country and the people. Uh, I say, I, I have a dream of having no, opening a coffee shop here in Berits. I say, okay, tell me more. And we, we, without any, any commercial skill, without any business skill, I, I haven't run a company. My dad is, he's, he's a doctor and he, he didn't have a, he doesn't, we, we're not businessmen in the family. So from the scratch, I mean, from complete to the scratch, we have to build up everything, like business plan, uh, uh, a name for the, on a name for the coffee, a logo, uh, learn all the uh, formalities in France you need, and there are a lot. Mm. <laughs> and yeah, after one year and a half, we found the place and yeah, there we are. Cool. Nice. Nice. I love that. You just woke up one morning and was like, right, I'm doing that. That's, that's great. And that, that, that's sometimes like a, yeah. maybe a good approach rather than worrying for years and years and years about, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Just finish, go to sleep one day, wake up with that dream and then just do that. <laughs> um, I, Make it sound so it. easy, that transition. Yeah, 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 like, I know. Ah. I know. I know. <laughs> I, I, I think I, I, in the back of my head, I, it's been there for a while. Yeah. But my, my wife always said, no, no, forget it. No, the coffee shop. No, 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 no. Not the rates. And, and then as I told her, she said, okay, let's do it. Uh, at least let's try. And we put uh, all the energy in there. We had a, some frustrating moments because we couldn't find a location. We couldn't find a shop. Here, Biarritz is very expensive for that. You, you, in France, you pay key money. Uh, and the key money here in France for a shop with a kitchen and stuff, it's very expensive. So that this encourages a lot. But then we found the perfect place. It's in a, a public market. Uh, and yeah, it was a great opportunity for us. So little, little risk, uh, little investment. Uh, we have a lot of, uh, I say, food, food, footfall. I say footprint. Yeah, yeah. Footfall, yeah. Uh, yeah, footfall, exactly. And yeah, we're, we're happy where we are now. 
tired. That hundred percent sure, <laughs> but happy, happy. Tired? With, you shouldn't with be tired. You've got unlimited amounts of coffee to, at your disposal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the good thing, the good, the good coffee. Yeah, then the the crush is big after nice, coffee. <laughs> nice. And and why why coffee? Because I know we we spoke briefly before we started about. Um, it seems to be quite um, an affinity to to coffee and and rugby players. There's a few rugby players I know in England mm. have got you know similar to you coffee shops and uh, coffee businesses. What is it about coffee that that attracts rugby players? Do you think? Uh, I think coffee is an excuse. It's uh, the opportunity the opportunity to to share a moment with someone you cherish or someone else. Mm. We are we are used to sharing. We are used to uh, doing stuff for the other ones, um, especially as a lock. You, I probably there's a few games that I haven't touched the ball in the whole game, but you, you could say you could play well because you you're not meant to to do stuff with the ball in your hands. Uh, and I think uh, that since uh, that feeling of doing something nice for someone else uh, it's quite uh, familiar now and it feels good uh, whenever you handle a coffee to your hand of a customer and they oh yes <laughs> now my day can start and we get it every day mm. um, and that's a nice feeling at least I always like to welcome people in my house and like very hospitality or open to hospitality and um, yeah, I think that feeling is quite similar to doing something on the rugby field that maybe only your teammates noticed. Uh, and also because coffee can be great and can be a good beverage. Uh, in, England, in England, it's been good for a while now, specialty coffee, it's been there for a while. In France, it's just starting, but I think all the Aussies and the Kiwis that we, we've met along the, the way help us a lot to get better coffee. We know that coffee culture is huge and well, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that uh, good coffee in Biarritz is possible and that's what we're trying to do. Nice, nice. And, um, and, and what's, what's been some of the things you've learned then along the way about business um, that maybe you can offer some advice to, to, to people that maybe are listening and go, Oh, actually, yeah, I'd love to be able to do something like that. Like anything that you've, yeah, maybe found challenging that you've overcome or. If you can do it in France, you can do it everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> if you can, if you can do all the paperwork in France, you're good. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough because, um, we, we, we if you're French, for example, you there are words that you've heard during your whole life, so you know what that means. But some paperwork is like ridiculous in France, and and not very. I think UK is better for that, even if if it's not the US or something like very very easy. Mm. The bureaucracy here in France it's 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 quite big, and that's why. Everywhere, everywhere in the world, we say bureaucracy. That's a French word because they made, <laughs> they made it up. They invented it. Um, yeah, I think the most important is if uh, you have an idea, if you have something, just polish that as much as you can, and not 
because you like it or your friends like it, that means that everyone will like it. Just mm -hmm. uh, there's always a need somewhere. Somewhere always. For example, in, in, in Biarritz, need for good coffee is, is true because there are a lot of expats living here. A lot of, especially after COVID now, a lot of people from big cities uh, and all around the world move to Biarritz. Uh, and they 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 wanted like good proper coffee, and we couldn't find this here. So we opened a good space for what we were offering. Uh, that's very important. And just yeah, uh, make make it good and make it good for everyone, not not, not just for you or for for your family. Mm, yeah, and I, I liked what you said before about bringing mm. bringing those qualities and those values from your playing days as a lock and that that almost unselfish work mm. that you used to do and, and bring that into your business I really like that um yeah do, do, you, do you talk about those kind of things much with your staff or or within your business about the kind of qualities that you want to bring to it one of the first things we we put down in paper with my wife are the, the company values mm. uh the stuff is uh, her and I, so we, <laughs> it's easy meeting, it's like dinner time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we, we tried to wrote those down and I've met a, I met someone now that works in, in restaurants for years now. And yeah, I think you have to like, have like a few, few words that are your core and every decision you take should respect that core. Mm. Uh, so you won't uh, go away from your goal, main goal. And that's, I think that's very important. So everything, for example, if you want to uh, offer good quality, every, every, single, every single thing on the menu will have to respect that, good quality. Your service will have to be quality. Uh, the space you open up will have to quality. The, the, the cups you're using have to be good cups because everything has to follow the same same like uh, goal. I don't know if it's goal or, yeah. or line, you know? Mm. Yeah, nice, nice. And um, yeah, no, that sounds great. That sounds great. And I suppose it's, it's must have been a challenging time with everything going on over the last year or so. Um, so how's it now? Has everything opened up now in, in Biritz? Yeah. You get in plenty of custom now? Actually, it was... Um, we were supposed to start around March 2020, just before uh, COVID started. Uh, that got delayed until June, July. We started in end of July. So we did all our summer here, like crazy hot summer with very little experience. So it was tough. Um, we wanted to use those months before summer to get it together and roll now how it works. But yeah, we started just in high season. Uh, and then all the restrictions that came around October, just before winter, helps us a lot, actually, because everyone uh, everyone closed. Every cafe got to close or do takeaways. But if you have 10 staff in your, in your team, do just takeaways. It's not, uh, it's not good enough. So everyone decided to close. Uh, we, I think the whole winter we were the only cafe open in Biarritz because we were in a in the in the market and it's, it was considered essential. So we could do only takeaways, but that's that was our 
that that's our, our core. That's it's coffee takeaway. We had a small space to to drink coffee there, but we closed it down. Uh, and now we think we're gonna stay with takeaways only because there's not enough space to 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 sit or to stand. So that COVID, I think in France and especially in Biarritz, where it's, it's a small city, there's no rush of London, for example. People weren't used to takeaways because they wanted to sit down, and mm. and COVID changed changed actually the, the the habits. Now people understood that takeaway. And grab your coffee and go to the park and sit or just in front of the sea and watch the ocean. It's ten times better than staying inside a four walls, and that uh, helped us, uh, which with something that uh, was, might have been tough to learn to explain to people. You know, so COVID was actually very very good for us because uh, yeah, it helped us provide. What we wanted to to push was takeaway. Yeah. Oh, good. Nice. So thank you, thank you, Kobe, for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One of the one of the few businesses that's uh, that's actually had a positive um, result from it. A lot of businesses obviously gone the other way and and yeah, it's, challenges. It's been so. terrible for everyone. Yeah, oh, good. Well, it's obviously a good good business decision, whether you were consciously aware of it or not. You obviously made the right decision yeah. with what you were doing. Maybe you, yeah. I'm not saying that you saw, you know, this was going to happen, but maybe you kind of saw no. the potential market there with this takeaway um, idea. Yeah, now, I think now, unfortunately, every plan or every business plan opportunity you, you want to take to an investor or a bank, you have to be COVID safe mm. because banks won't accept uh, a loan if you have just 100 tables inside because from one day to another you have to close and you won't be able to pay them back so I think they're not going to fo follow as they used to so it's yeah the important thing is to to make that, that call and just to as soon as you think that things are going to change just adapt mm, yeah nice nice yeah. It's, it's tough because maybe it wasn't your favorite thing or your your ideal plan or your first plan but you have to adapt to the new reality as new reality now yeah hopefully you will go back to what it was or we've learned something for example the takeaway that people is gonna okay it's just takeaway but let's sit in front of the ocean that that i think that will make better but yeah we have to adapt now nice Nice. Um, that sounds great. I wish you um, every success going forward with it and um, good summer summer trade. Um, yeah, thank you. To get a few more tourists and a few more people um, into Biritz. Mm. Um, I'll have to check it out if I'm ever in town. Um, <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um, Definitely. So we'll, we'll finish up with a few questions then. I think you mentioned about, um, we'll just talk about just how, Obviously, we talked about the business and and that side of things. In terms of like the training and like the physical um, element to you know just you and your training personally, you mentioned um, that you kind of struggle going from training for that purpose of being that professional player to then maybe not having a physical purpose to train for. Do you want to talk us to us a little bit about how you yeah. how how you found that quite challenging? Actually, I think I've got used to train 
as you said, for a purpose, which was playing on the weekend. I'm not enjoying myself doing it. I'm not enjoying the the fact that I was feeling better and I was uh, making an effort for my health, for me. Um, and I first realized that when in that three months that I was in Argentina, uh, I was running on a treadmill in a gym um, and I found myself doing uh, sprints like this high, like very, very inclined or elevated. And I said, what am I doing? Why? <laughs> I wasn't enjoying, obviously I wasn't enjoying what I was doing, but I, I, that was my reality. I had to push harder every time. I say, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't just, should be, I don't know, playing football with my friends or, or having a job, something easy, I know. And that, um, it was, it was, it is, yeah, it was tough. Since then it was tough because I, I couldn't enjoy the fact that I was training for, for me and for just feeling better and being healthier. So I'm still struggling with it. Uh, I had, I, obviously that the last full year was, it was tough because we had that startup, uh, uh, two, two girls that are four and two, uh, completely new life and, if I had to leave something on the side was maybe training uh, because I was tired. I, would, I was fatigued. I didn't have the energy to do it. But, um, uh, it has to, I think it has to come back to my routine. Like, uh, okay. Uh, okay. Wake up earlier or maybe after, after the shift, just go have a run or make some, I don't know, some, something for me also, you know, but, uh, mm. yeah, the enjoyment, because I really enjoyed training when I used to, I, I really enjoy pushing the gym and uh, running. Uh, you know, of course, of course, uh, preseason was tough, but I, I really enjoyed feeling like that, tired. And that's what I miss the most of rugby, like that Sunday morning when you wake up and everything hurts, but there's a feeling of, of accomplishment. Mm. Like I've, I've done something. Of course, the results... Uh, is is big if you want to feel good or, or bad, but that that feeling of soreness when you are waking up and I've done my job, I miss that a lot. Mm. But uh, I'm having it. I'm shifting it to maybe after five six hours of making good coffees and good feedbacks from people, and you are happy with that. But yeah, that feeling of. Uh, Sunday morning or even Monday or at, at the end of my career, Tuesday, Wednesday, <laughs> was like, <laughs> yeah, 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 I, I miss that. And that's, that's something I think I, I'm, I'm always going to miss because I'm not going to feel like that again. But uh, yeah, something that you, you, you think of all the time, you know? Yeah. 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 Nice. And um, yeah, like you say, it's all about just that routine of, of trying to find that, time and and yeah finding that that style of training that's right for you maybe mm. it's not sprinting on the treadmill like you say maybe it is a bit gentler yeah. now you don't need to yeah you know exactly. treat the body as 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 aggressively as you used to um mm. so i don't i don't know how to do it that's why i don't do it maybe because i'm i'm afraid of doing something that's useful uh, useless sorry or i don't know where to begin you know yeah okay should i begin doing okay some core training Okay, let me do 
apps and go for 10 days and then no no what have i i should be running first okay let's run let's make it like that base of running uh running no my knees hurt my hips my, my back so okay yeah. i should uh doing i don't know something else. that's uh, that's have you ever tried yoga oh, fuck. <laughs> um, no i haven't i did once in south africa yeah and i it was like pain pain for <laughs> for too long I swear I was I was sweating like uh, all, all around me was like sweat and all those ladies next to me were like dry. I think, okay, something, <laughs> there's something wrong here. Uh, I, I yeah I should uh, I should I should start with yoga. I think to release all the tensions that are in my body and all the nice. bad habits. Well, I'll, I'll I'll send you a I'll send you a link to my, one of my classes and you can come try a yoga mm. class. Yeah, I would love to. I would love to. Yeah. Nice, nice. All right. Mate, I know well, you. I know yoga will be a great start. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's where I kind of got back my, um, yeah, kind of relit my flame with training and using my body. To be mm-hmm. honest, because my body was a bit stiff, a bit sore, because I I finished playing from a bad mm-hmm. injury, knee injury. Okay. Um, and I got into yoga a few years later. Now I teach it, and I, yeah, my body feels just amazing, and it. it it challenges you in a different way, but it still challenges you. It's still, it's still kind of, yeah, there's, it, it makes you kind of quite humble about things you can and can't do. And yeah, it's, yeah, like you say, like my first few classes, I was definitely feeling out of place, sweating where everybody else around me just looked like they were just peaceful and enjoying it. And I was like, this is not peaceful or enjoyable. <laughs> I remember I was having those little bricks, you know, they give you all over my body to <laughs> yeah, compensate yeah. all the <laughs> I have like 10 bricks around me. <laughs> yeah. I suppose, you're, you know, you're a big guy as well. So like trying to move move your body in, in different positions can be challenging as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, maybe it's something to think about. But um but mate, well, I will finish off with just the last couple of questions then. Um, so right. I normally ask these two questions at the end. So to the 18-year-old version of you, um, so that mm-hmm. young rugby player, maybe just thinking about um, going to France um, and, 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 yeah, trying to break into that Argentina team. Um, any advice to that 18-year-old version of you? Uh, two. Train yourself seriously. Uh, never give up trying to be your best version of, of you. And read some books, mate. Just read some books. Nice. <laughs> Everything. That, that, no, nothing, nothing. Uh, just read, read books. And I'm very curious. I, I've always been. Mm. But yeah, I think I didn't prep myself for the, for the real life. So I wish I could have that energy or that to to do it back in the days yeah nice um and then a similar um question to the recently retired version of you so maybe a few years ago you've just finished um any advice to that version of you Hmm. um enjoy your family because they're growing very, very fast. And I don't want to miss that. I had the chance to be with them because I end up work at around 3 p.m. So I can pick them up at school and just mm. spend the afternoon. But that, that's, there are three that are the most important thing I have. So 
be there for them, be a good father, and um, and just yeah, the same. Don't be the best you can to new project. I have a few projects in my head that I'm trying to develop uh, now. So don't lose focus, but just keep pushing because uh, uh, that I think that's the only way to do it. Don't look don't look back too much. Just learn from the past, but don't don't regret anything. Just keep pushing harder because there's always a way to do it. And if it's not the ideal, or maybe it's the closest to ideal you can find. Nice, nice. That's great. And I think I can hear your little ones in the background yeah, it's, it's getting, it's getting <laughs> running crazy. about. I'm sure they'll keep you busy and keep you active anyway. I'm going to pretend um, I'm. The, the interview is longer, so if you don't care, I'm going to stay. No, no, no. <laughs> well, nice. Um, Manuel, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate oh, it. Thank you. Thank you for, for, for having this chat. I enjoyed it really. Much. No, it's really nice to hear about um, yeah, your experience. And um, yeah, thank you. Thanks, man. Thank you very much. Okay, so thank you guys for listening to the Post Rugby Podcast with me, Anthony Andrews, and my guest today, Manuel Caritza. If you'd like to continue this conversation, please head to our free Facebook group, the Post Rugby Community, to connect with other rugby players and like-minded people and continue your journey to a happier and healthier life post-rugby. I hope you found some, of the, some inspiration listening to the podcast today and encouraged to take action by trying some of the things the guest has talked about. I'll see you next time.